0: Welcome to episode 13 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I am Narayan.
1: And I am Anisha Mudwani.
0: Anisha, I know that most of the norms we storm are applicable across industries, across geography, and usually also across time. But I've noticed that many times, and, and this is coincidental since we pick our norms in advance of current happenings in the world, the norm we storm is very topical and very relevant to the here and now. And this week, I want to call this out, the week of June 29th, 2020, the Indian government just announced a ban on 59 Chinese apps. And it brings to bear a key factor, I think, in the norm we're going to discuss today. Specifically, today's norm is around how Indian brands seldom become global brands. And perhaps geopolitical factors like what Chinese brands are facing in India today play a role in it in the context of Indian brands in other markets too, don't you think?
1: Well, at the risk of sounding immodest, I will echo what you say. We do seem to have a knack for picking timeless yet contemporary norms. But this particular one has been the one that I've wondered about for a very long time. Given India's talent, expertise, ease with tech, a cultural heritage, a rich resource base, why are there so few
0: global Indian brands? Exactly. I mean, look at what is hiding in plain sight, if you will, right? I mean, Indian executives have always succeeded spectacularly on the global stage. Sundar Pichai, Satya Nadella, Ajay Banga, Indra Nui, Rajesh Suri, Shantanu Narayan, Rakesh Kapoor. The list is long and yet would be hard put to name even five Indian businesses that have similarly succeeded on a global scale. And it makes me ask, why is that?
1: You know, when you think about it, globalization and the global market economy perhaps laid down the best condition for Indian brands to find success beyond India. What has prevented Indian brands from winning on the global stage the way brands from other countries have succeeded? Not just in India, but on a
0: multinational stage and a global scale. You know, now that you mention it, it makes me think, why is it that even tech... I mean, Silicon Valley is filled with Indian talent, and it's the darling of the startup world, even in India. Why is it that even tech has not been able to break through this global glass ceiling? I can see a couple of names, Oyo and Ola, for example, have attempted it, but they're far from succeeding either.
1: The names that you just mentioned Oyo trying to replicate what Airbnb started doing, Ola trying to follow the business model of Uber, Flipkart, you know, coming after Walmarts and Amazons of the world. So, in many, many ways, A first to the market with the cutting edge idea is where I think we are still waiting in the tech world for India to make that breakthrough, whether it is India first and the world later.
0: Which leads me to ask, or in fact, think that this norm is really ripe for storming right now. The shifting sands of global business sentiment have never been more in favor of India right now. And the world is looking for an alternative to China. Manufacturing is down in the US and other parts of the Western economy. And all the ingredients for a perfect storm by Indian brands to go global are here. I guess the key question is, how can businesses storm this norm? And while we have the tough questions, I think we also have just the right person to answer them. And not just answer, but storm this norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a person who's been there, done that, in storming the norm, all right. But I have a feeling he's also going to ask difficult questions in turn. Please welcome Mr. Mohit Malhotra, CEO of our very own homegrown global Indian conglomerate, Dabur. Thank you so much once again, Mohit, for uh, joining us on the Storm the Norm podcast. We are really privileged to have you here today.
1: Welcome, Mohit. Thank you for agreeing
0: to join us in this interaction. Thanks, no I think thanks for having me.
2: So, so, in fact, you know
0: what, I'll, I'll start with a, a somewhat obvious question, if you will, uh, and it's, it's visible in plain sight. Uh, and I think you are a prime example of that. Indian executives have always succeeded spectacularly on the global stage. And, and I think your journey, your trajectory is a prime example of that. Uh, the list is long and, and, and illustrious. And yet, it feels like we'd be hard put to name even five Indian businesses that have similarly succeeded on a global scale. So I just wanted to open up by asking your thoughts on that. Why do you think that's happening? Or do you even agree with that? Yeah, so I think mean, first of all, I don't
2: uh, agree quite a bit on that. So I think Indians have been holding forth across global behemoth organizations for quite some time and it's because of their skill the competence because of the sheer intellect and ability and it's very unfair to say that a homegrown companies haven't taken up to the challenge of going global i think along with daver i can surely name other fmcg companies also who have moved beyond shores of the country either organically or inorganically through acquisitions couple of names which come to my mind besides daver Yes, Godrej has done it. Wipro has done it. Godrej has done it through acquisitions. Wipro has done the again through acquisitions. Himalaya has done it organically and beautifully. I think, uh, one, although Himalaya is a competitor of mine, but I can't uh, not praise them for the kind of organic work the company has done to take the Indian system of medicine abroad and the spellbound work which is done. And a lot of, so it would be unfair. For us to say that, uh, Indian companies have not gone broke, not to the extent that international companies, the way they have introduced themselves in India. Yeah, that could be a relatively a comparison where an Indian companies have not had that scale overseas as the scale of Unilever as Hindustan Lever in India, or for that matter, Records in India, or for that matter, Craft in India. Now Let me jump on to Dabur from a Dabur hmm. standpoint, I think we started our international business very late as an organization because we we're pretty satisfied and that's the case with other companies also. India is a huge population, second largest population in the world and big captive consumption market here. So the real urge to move international wasn't there with Dabur for I think how many decades, decades have passed, only in past Two decades, last 20 years, there was that urge to move international because we had reached, uh, you know, market share leadership level in most of the categories that we exist in India. So we were looking out for pillars of future growth for the company. So one pillar identified was international business. That's when we started doing categorization of opportunistic markets, potential markets, and focus markets. And export was then converted into more of a uh multi-country sort of a landscape in which we said okay middle east is going to be our prime market because the largest business outside of india in exports was in the middle east because that had the largest expat indian population building all that very small we had a 20 crore business but the company took a very strategic approach to that that's when in 2003 i moved out of india and i moved to dubai and there we set up a complete value chain for the organization. So, like they say, be a Roman in Rome, and only then you will be able to succeed. So, Dabur shunned its own identity completely as an Indian organization once we moved there. And once we shunned our own identity, we took on the identity of an Arab and we started thinking like an Arab. So, from a trading operation, it became a demand driven, marketing driven, inside driven business operation. That was a turning point. And I think that is when we stormed the norm, when we decided to move international business. And we 360 degree changed. Manufacturing became local, products became local, packaging became local, positioning became local. We started producing there. We started uh, using free trade agreements. So 360 degree, we changed the dimension of the business. That was the turning point. And that 20 crore small trading business uh, is now around 2,200 crore business, 30% of our turnover comes from the international business. Uh, right. Which
0: actually leads me to the second question. There's no denying that these signs are there now and there is more protectionism in the in the air than globalization. In that light, then how does that affect a business's global ambitions, especially an in Indian business? Yeah.
2: So to my mind, I think globalization is a word which is completely eroding now. I think can. Mm-hmm. There used to be a time when globalization used to be the way and the norm in the market, but no more company in the brands. I mean that it's like understanding the local landscape, identifying consumer insights and developing products as per the local insights of the consumers, because consumers are different everywhere. So globalization doesn't work. I'll give you an example. When we went to the Middle East, we found brands looking at the global templates a png would have a template in uh, us which got copy pasted in the middle east uh, and uh, launched there which won't resonate with the consumers there unlike them we identified local insights we identified what are the local herbs we launched brands which befitted the local usage and attitude and practices So I'll give you some examples here, Vatika hair oil, it was a value added enriched coconut oil in India and Parachute was the only large player here and Vatika launched a value added coconut oil in the country and very successfully so because consumers in India use coconut oil. I went to Arabia and uh, I said, okay, we follow globalization and have this Indian coconut oil, will it resonate uh, with the Arabs? but we did a consumer check and it doesn't resonate because coconut as a fruit doesn't grow in arabia they know coconut oil as something which is called juzali hind juzali hind means a fruit of india it is not a fruit of the arabs so what is the fruit of the arab its olive is the fruit of the arab Mm -hmm. while the brand name will be global Vatika, but the oil will be which follows the usage, habit, chemistry of the local Arab, which is olive oil. Olive has its mention in the Hadith and the Quran. And what coconut is to India is olive is to Arab. So we said now there's a Vartika here, oil, which has a base of olive and it's an olive enriched oil. So we had the same additional ingredients in olive and we launched Vartika uh, vatika there and very successfully because consumer, you know, resonated with this pro- proposition. And it was launched and was a resounding success. And by the way, Vatika, you know, out of the total turnover total of 2,500 grew a third of the turnover comes from this brand Vatika. Vatika is larger in international business than in India today.
1: So did the brand Vatika have an equity when you went to Dubai or you had to actually create an equity for Vatika as well? And therefore, you know, you had the choice of should it be Vatika or could it be another brand that I create for that market?
2: Brands have to be global cores. So the core of the brand and the brand name remain the same. It's a value-added oil which promises nourishment for great hair. So that doesn't disappear. The core of the brand remains the same. What changes is a coconut oil to olive oil to a oil to uh, some other oil. You know, like in Egypt, we have a different Vatika, but the value added proposition of an oil for the benefit of hair, long, strong, that remains the same. That doesn't change. We are a success because we completely, you know, shun away our Indian identity. We Mm -hmm. did not live with our Indian identity. It is not because India is known to be a hair oiling sort of a landscape. That is what got cross pollinated in Arabia, and that's the secret of success. No, the secret of success is to shun your identity and to take on the identity of the place that you go in. I will give you an example of China. Now, China doesn't say that I'm a Chinese company when it goes overseas. Look at the electronic market in India. All mobile phones are Chinese, which are marketing us here. Apple has not been able to gain so much of share as much as MI or other companies have been able to. Hmm. Because they follow the rules of the game in the country that they are in. Hmm. They don't follow the standard templates. And Hmm. the problem with Indian companies are, they are not able to shun their identity. Hmm. They carry their identity. Classical case of Fab India. Hmm. Fab India wants to sell their ethnic attire, which the Indians resonate with. Hmm. The Westerners will never resonate with that kind of a sari or a, or a, you know, fully attire.
1: But just, just highlight a couple of challenges that could come your way. You know, what, what, and if there is something that you experienced and how did you overcome it?
2: So one of the challenges like uh, the core of Dabur is more healthcare, as so you know, the window to perception of Dabur as a herbal Ayurvedic company and the leaders in Ayurveda and the world. Mm -hmm. Now that's a magical remedy and we've done a lot of clinical studies. When you move overseas market, there's a huge regulatory barrier Mm -hmm. that you have to cross and that is impossible to crack Mm -hmm. as of now because that endeavor has to be a Ministry of uh, Ayush endeavor. It can't be a single company endeavor Mm -hmm. because you can't cross Ministry of Health barriers etc. when you move overseas market. So one challenge is a regulatory challenge, huge Mm -hmm. challenge. I think second challenge is an Indian company moving abroad is the profit mindset hmm. that we have as against the investment mindset, because we have a four year, five year vision, we wanted to invest. there, So a company that invests ahead of the curve in international markets will reap the fruits as you move on. So we are a cutting edge and a competitive edge over other companies like America was exporting goods from here to international markets. We set up a shop in international market. We set up a factory. When we set up a factory, you produce in international markets, you use the free trade agreements which are actually present there. Mm -hmm. So other companies would face a challenge of putting investments. That is the second challenge that uh, people face. The third big challenge which we had to fight with the board is the Indian ghetto mentality. When Indians move outside of their boundaries, They want to recruit Indians. They want to be with Indians because there is so much of comfort zone there with Indians because the dialect is so different with Arabs. If I'm taking a minute to make you explain a point, I will take maybe 10 minutes to explain other nationality a point because the English dialect is so different, my comprehension, understanding, all becomes a challenge here. So that Indian ghetto mentality, you have to get rid of, you have to shun it completely. Because we operate in 100 countries, we operate in the US also. And in the beginning, we wanted to plant Indian in the US. Now, it is a sure shot recipe for disaster because it's a culture. You can't fit the Indian and ask him that now you become an American in culture or you become an Arab in culture or you become an Egyptian in culture. That's a big fight culturally that you have to do with the board and have people, all that. So that's a challenge that you face. And uh, fourth one is advertising. Do you invest, you invest upfront in dollars. You earn in rupees when you move from India to international and you invest in dollars and uh, one dollar is 70 rupees so do you want to invest in mass media most of the indian corporates would not invest yeah. they would want to do trading operations so if you want to invest you need to be very adventurous you need to be risk-taking and it's a fearless approach rather than a fearful approach that is a leadership trait trade which is required so one has to take a punt in the beginning for you to taste
0: success that's why most of the
2: indian companies actually shy away from uh, doing that
0: Oh I, I i love how much you you didn't pull any punches uh, i think <laughs> you, you, you called many spades, nothing but spades and i think uh, we needed to hear that so thank you <laughs> so much <laughs> for taking this time
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: thanks thanks uh thank you Isha. thank you for having me i think it was a complete pleasure interacting with you
3: guys yes.
0: yeah. anisha In many ways, what Mohit reminded us was to go back to first principles, to focus on outcomes and not on tasks or processes, and to never forget that while products may need to be adapted and tweaked for markets, brands transcend obstacles, whether geographic or cultural, and they define a sharp purpose for themselves and stay true to it.
1: Indeed, Narayan, and I agree with it every bit. But I'm going to be a bit of a troublemaker here. (laughs) What do you think was the most provocative thing that Mohit said?
0: I knew you weren't going to let me get off that (laughs) easy. Okay, I'll have to say for me, it has to be that he asked businesses to question why they are looking to become a global brand in the first place. Most brands, especially when they originate from small, small markets, go global because they quickly attain market saturation. And take any European or even Japanese brands, they quickly run out of markets if they only cater to domestic consumption. But in a market, the size and complexity of India, perhaps brands don't even need to look out in the first place. And that was quite thought-provoking for me. But it also goes back to the purpose question. Why does your brand exist in the first place? What's its purpose? Once you answer that, then figuring out the field of play, local or global, can come out quite naturally from there. But I want to ask you back the tough question. Or maybe it's not so tough. What's your (laughs) take, Anisha? And not just on what Mohit said, but my favorite part of every episode. What STN hacks do you have for listeners this time around? And how can Indian businesses storm the norm to go global successfully?
1: Well, this time around, I have the usual five STN hacks to offer, but I also have a bonus at the end.
0: Nice. I'm all ears.
1: I want to tell you how many times people confuse the concept of a brand with product, nomenclature, Mm -hmm. logo, advertising, marketing, just to name a few. Sometimes it seems that there's no understanding of the word, the process, or the original intent behind the concept of brand. The underlying thing that I'm trying to point out is that this, the brand in inverted commas, has been built upon some piece of information or usefulness, which is the functional value, grounded in some consistency. Purpose, values, attitude. That's how we know, simplistically put, how brands are built. Easily interchangeable words between brands, products, advertising, marketing. That creates the biggest confusion about what do you want to take global.
0: You are an expert and it probably comes naturally to you. But let me ask you like a more basic question. How does one decode a brand to understand purpose? How do you decide what stays and what goes?
1: I think the brand typically has four constituents. Okay? Two of them are intangible and two of them are tangible. Okay? Okay. Let me begin with the first two, which is the intangible one. The intangible ones are the core purpose. Why do I exist? What is my purpose to exist in this world? Mm. If today I were to stop existing, who will it make a difference to? Okay, now that's the purpose.
3: Mm.
1: Aligned to that purpose is the values of the brand. Mm. If you have defined your purpose in a certain way, you need to espouse certain values that will bring that purpose alive. So for example, let's take the example of Starbucks. Mm. The way the Starbucks purpose reads. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. How do they bring this purpose alive? By giving relaxed, enjoyable, and a responsible
0: experience. Yeah, nothing in the way that they are defined it says this is only meant for the West or the East or this country or that culture. It's it's so global. It's so because universal. Because it's true to its purpose. Yeah. Yes,
1: it's so universal.
0: Yeah,
3: okay. okay. Now what, what
1: needs to stay constant are the intangibles which Mm -hmm. is the core purpose and the values of the brand. Sure. What can be discretionary or adaptable are the tangibles, which is the identity or the voice. Now identity also many companies actually prefer to carry the legacy and the equity of the identity from one market to another. If you have the same tangible product offering that you are taking to another country, it is better to take the same identity. So say for example McDonald's it's they have taken the same physical you know entity across markets so they want yeah. to carry the same identity but in the yeah. case of Vatika say for example, what they did was they kept the core intact yeah but they changed the product and the offering now if yeah. they changed the product and the offering and if the identity needs to change to, to symbolify that offering, then you can adapt So here is an example of a different product with the same core values that needed a different identity.
0: Got it. I mean, I think it sounds like a fundamental tenet, but I think it's it's a hack because most businesses tend to ignore the importance of this. And therefore, I think all of the examples really help. What's number two?
1: Voice of the brand needs to clearly take into account how culture affects consumer behavior. Culture affects how people shop, you have to understand this truth very, very clearly. This mm. will help you decide whether the existing product is all your communication is relevant for the market or not. Mm. Like Mohit explained, Vatika is a completely different product in Middle East. But what is constant is the core purpose of value added oil and its value system. However, Starbucks is exactly the opposite. It's a service brand that puts a lot of emphasis on recreating similar experiences across each country that they go to. But they make sure that recreating the brand experience ties in strongly with the specific country's culture and practices.
0: Okay, stay true to purpose, reflect culture. What's next?
1: Now it comes to the last constituent of the brand, which is the voice and the expression. Hmm. There again, culture plays a role, but you have to make sure you go deep unearth some powerful human truths that are rooted in local culture and use them and create customizable campaigns. Whether you're exploring viral marketing, influencer campaigns or building your presence on social media. The vital thing to remember with a global branding strategy is that you're working in a whole new world. Mm. Developing your business in a new country means adapting to a different set of rules, regulations and even languages. Mm. add to that the fact that we are living in an era of customization where customers expect this more than ever from brands and it's easy to see where brands can struggle so mm. customization coming from deep human truths that emanate from a cultural understanding from the, of that local market is what is very very crucial in creating the right voice for the brand
0: so culture Sorry, let me the Purpose, culture, voice, expression, customization.
1: Okay. Yeah. Sometimes when you don't understand the culture or the local nuances well, a clever thing, a communication or a brand or a product could mean something else in one language and may translate into something very different in a different language. And yeah. I'll give you an example. Wix introduced its cuff drops into the German market without realizing that the German pronunciation of V is F, making Wix slang for the sexual intercourse. Mm. Colgate launched a toothpaste in France named Q without realizing that it's also the name of a French pornographic magazine. And here's my last bonus hack. Most global brand managers who fail have little authority and they have, you know, the mandate to create a strategy without the ability to manage it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are several examples, you know, where Markets and strategic planning processes and culture are highly market focused with local empowerment.
0: I go back to one of our earliest episodes with uh, with Rajiv Chaba, the MD of MG Motors in India. And I think he echoed this when he said, you know, unless you empower local leaders to interpret global brand purposes, you're more likely to fail than not. Yes. Okay, so that's a lot to wrap my head around. But let's see if I can quickly summarize the hacks. The first one was clarify whether you're building a global brand or trying to take a product global, critical difference. The second, uh, and especially if the former, make sure your brand promise is sharp, and adaptive. Two, to paraphrase an old adage, culture can eat badly managed brands for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So get culture right. Three, uh, get the voice and expression right, but especially in terms of consistency. So to paraphrase the old real estate formula, Consistency, consistency, consistency. And four, uh, for all that we live in a global world, we have to make sure that brand assets don't get lost or mangled or tarnished in translation. And five, connected to all the previous ones, but even more relevant in a post-digital world, have the resources to create customizable campaigns across geographies. And the bonus, empower local teams globally.
1: As always, you have captured the essence very succinctly, Narayan.
0: All right, then. I think that's a good place to wrap up episode 13 of Storm the Norm. You know what? There are now multiple places you can catch us on, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, like always. But you can also catch us on Geo Savan, and all three by just searching for Storm the Norm. Also, bonus, on we're on Saregama Carvan 2.0 devices on channel 453. With that, this is Narayan. And Anisha Signing off for now. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon.